Okay, welcome to the podcast, guys. It is week seven. Crazy to think that it's already week seven. Clay, yeah. how you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. You know, just just a little sad, but I'm doing all right. I'm I'm making it. It's all gonna be good. Everything's fine. Let's I'm just hanging. jump right in. This yeah. must be you? what this. I, I'm okay. This must be what like Missouri feels like every year, or I don't know, maybe what a South Carolina fan feels like. So, hey, they make it. So we could do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's going to be fun. So this is a fun episode. We talk about the largest outdoor cocktail party exclusively. But let's get into the recap from last week. Um, So Auburn played a really good football game. Uh, LSU didn't bring their varsity team, apparently. They brought the fraternity flag football team. And um, they were not prepared for SEC speed. Believe it or not, frat boys can't keep up with SEC linebackers. <laughs> Shocking. This conversation <laughs> has gone far enough. All I can say is that I'm retiring the phrase Bo Nick stinks. I'm not saying it anymore. It's a curse. It, it, well, yeah. It, we, can't, we can't say it whenever he puts up 300 yards against our team. So we're not. And um, I think that's really big of us. So, uh, you know, at least we're, at least we're honest and, and very, very big people. Yeah, actually, that's, <laughs> that's a good point in, in, you know, trying to be the bigger man. I'm speaking to Bo Nix here directly. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You're great. Let's Fantastic. Let's move on. Let's move on. So Bama played Mississippi State. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, both teams got off the bus as expected. Yeah, for (laughs) Bama fans. I don't know if we saw the launch of three Heisman campaigns like Frank necessarily predicted, but we definitely saw the elevation of one Heisman campaign, and Mac Jones is doing it. Oh, yeah, he's he's incredible, man. I I mean, I was not expecting him – really, I wasn't expecting him to start this whole season. And now he's the front runner for the Heisman. For real. I mean, okay. I'm going to go back to my, my LSU homerism for a little bit, and we're in a dark place, so this is a frustrated take. But it's so annoying that LSU just had the best te- college football team ever in 2019, and then Alabama's basically going to be like stamp and just like repeat it, but like take it to another level this year. I don't know if they're quite repeating it. I mean, I'm going to have my homer take and say LSU 2019 team would be this Alabama iteration. But I'll go back to what I said last week. I just can't believe that Alabama is better without Tua. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I would have never thought that in a million years. It's, it's ridiculous. But one thing that has been really, really sad to watch um, from my perspective, loving the LSU Tigers and having my team give up 45 points to Mississippi State is since they've left Baton Rouge, they've scored 14 points twice and they've been shut out on offense twice. And it just makes me think like, hey, you know, maybe maybe this coaching staff isn't quite up to snuff because Mississippi State's clearly a stoppable football team. We just couldn't figure out how to do it. I mean, Mississippi State's air rate has been fully grounded since they left Baton Rouge. Yeah, I have some conspiracy theories on the coaching staff this year, and uh, we can get into that later. <laughs> yeah, let's get off. Let's let's get off LSU in this podcast because we're not talking about them because they're a JV team. Or they didn't play Tennessee. last week. Let's they talk were. about Alabama. Let's talk about Mississippi State. Mississippi State sucks. Alabama is great, but you know what's crazy, Chris, is that Alabama is as good as they are. But I think that there's a pretty strong likelihood that they may not win the national championship. 
I mean, have you seen Clemson? Have you seen Ohio State? They are incredible. <laughs> Clemson looks otherworldly. Like, they're a machine. And then Ohio State, they've only played two games, but against Penn State, they just – I don't know. They just walked out there and did what they wanted and then walked off the field and hit the shower. So it's going to be. Justin Fields has five incompletions. Yeah, that's crazy. The, that's he's so, he was incredible last year. He is somehow better. I don't, I don't know how. I just, so one of the best storylines for me to watch is going to be what sorry sucker team they put in there as the fourth spot. And I hope they just have fun with it. Like, let's do something wild. Well, Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot like last year where everyone's going to be fighting to be that number one seed because they want to play the this year's version of Oklahoma. Because, uh, you know, obviously last year, no one wanted to play Clemson as a three seed. So this year, no one's going to want to play any of these top three teams. So we'll see who the four seed is. It's going to be fun to watch. I got an idea. Let's put like, okay, let's pick whoever Army, Navy, Air Force. Whichever of the three of those is the best. And just, like, run a, run a triple option team out there and see what happens. To, res- because, to respect the troops? Yeah, respect the troops, keep yeah. them honest, make them, make them prep for triple option, and then just kind of see what we do. So, hey, so speaking of triple option and bringing offense back into the 1800s, that Georgia-Kentucky game, man, that was brutal. That was just an ugly football game. First of all, A-plus on transition right there. That was good. Uh, oh, I'm getting – I'm a professional now. This is our seventh podcast. Plus some trials, plus some preseasons, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That game was like – now, as a fan of a team with a, a modern, futuristic offense, that game was so boring to watch. But that was classic SEC from 2009, 2010. And, um, Kentucky mean, literally gave up on passing the ball forward. <laughs> they literally gave up on passing the ball – past the line of scrimmage it was lateral passes and have joey gatewood try to run at 400 pound georgia lineman it was ridiculous well and at that point they probably would have been better off to sub a wide receiver in at quarterback a la 2019 than having gatewood playing quarterback like just just get asked that's a good point yeah that's a good point i didn't think of that that's 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 really interesting but so i mean like Let's talk about the winner of this game. They only scored 14 points. Um, Both of these teams just kind of looked content to keep the score where they were. Um, But Georgia was like, just they, they, they they didn't exactly throw the ball forward all that much either. Stetson Bennett has some serious issues. His height, he's, his height has led to three picks in the past two games that he's played. Like at some point, you have some NFL talented guys playing quarterback that can maybe make your offense operate a little bit better. I don't understand why we haven't seen in either of those guys. Yeah. I always think, and this happens a lot with LSU and I always just figure that the two guys behind him must just be really bad character guys. And I don't know if that's a, that's a good assumption to make or not, but that's, that's where my head goes. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that game was a total like move immovable object versus a, a unstoppable force where it was just like two heavy footed monsters just kind of trudging up and down the field. Yeah. But one thing that was really, really cool. Um, to watch, the, it was the one possession that was fun. And I tweeted out during the game that uh, Georgia got the ball. They, they received the kickoff and they ran the ball nine times in a row and scored a touchdown. They didn't have a single negative play. And they just ran the ball and ran the ball. And I literally thought, well, 
I don't know if Georgia's going to have a negative play all day. That turned out to be very wrong, but if that drive was very interesting, to say the least. All right, so let's let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get into yeah. the, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That's right. We are super excited to do this. Uh, Chris kind of hit on it early in the uh, intro, but this week we're only covering this game. This game has so much history, so much bad blood. The fans really get into this game that – we thought that this was the best option for us was to just cover this game a hundred percent and just focus on it because of the history that this game has. Yeah. And on top of that, the rest of the games this week are kind of stinkers. So we would just be diluting something very interesting with something. Uh... Well, that, that, that did absolutely lead a little bit into our decision-making, but we'll just say that it was because of the interest level of this game, because like, like most years in the past, this game's gonna decide the SEC East. I got a little bit, I got a little tidbit for you. These two teams have represented the SEC East in eight of the last 10 SEC championship games. They haven't won a lot of them, but they've represented the East in all of them. Eight of the last who, 10. Do you know who the other two were? South Carolina and Missouri. Oh, I thought it was Missouri twice. That is crazy. It was Missouri twice. Yeah. Missouri so twice. So maybe, maybe maybe it's eight out of eleven. Yeah. I mean it's the, the, when you think SEC East, these are the two teams. And you don't – lately, you don't really consider anybody else. It's like these two right. teams and then a big gap and then whomever is the hot, sexy pick that year, whether it's Tennessee, South Carolina, or UK, it seems like those three always kind of trade blows and then Missouri picks up the scraps when everyone's down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, this is the class of the SEC East and, like, you know, in the conversation for the class of the SEC every single year. So this is going to be right. a fun one. And, and, and now this year you have a very fun game with Florida having the explosive offense that s- similar in the same vein as Alabama's, maybe not quite as explosive, but a, a really, really explosive offense. And unlike Alabama, they haven't really figured out the defensive side of the football. Georgia has the exact opposite problem. They haven't figured out the offensive side of the football, but they have the defense figured out. And in the since the 20-teens and now we're in 2020 – Offense has really won out in college football. So I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Florida in this game. But, I mean, it is definitely going to be an interesting see strength on strength, Florida's offense versus Georgia's defense. Yeah, and I think I agree with you. I think offense typically takes the cake in this day and age. But the interesting thing is offense usually wins the game, but a good defense with a bad offense will keep the game interesting for the entire 60 minutes. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. Um, so do you want to do a little history? Uh, yeah, I would love to. I know, I know you did a little bit of digging into this, so, so hit me with it. Okay, and we touch on it in the interview a little bit, but the starting from the beginning, this rivalry has been play, has been contested. And I mean con- not contested on the field, contested as far as the details of when it started. So Georgia believes that there's one more game played in this rivalry than Florida does because they, they think – you know, the first matchup counts. Florida says the first matchup didn't count because that wasn't a really uh, a real uh, team that we put out on the field. And I can understand why they would say that because they lost 52 to zero. Georgia won the first uh, matchup 52 to zero. Uh, after that, it's it's a pretty close rivalry. Uh, Georgia claims to have 53 wins. Florida has 43. I'm just going to go by the Georgia numbers because they're closer to me geographically. Um, but it's been a series of trends where 
a team will streak for a little bit and then the other team will streak. It's never back and forth every single year. Um, and kind of speaking to that, the series win streak is both seven, seven in a row. Georgia in the 40s and then Florida in the 90s. A back and forth game. Georgia's streaking right now. They've won three of uh, the last, they won three in a row. And then I'll close with this. An interesting tidbit about the side of the game. This game has been played in Athens, but it's never been played in Gainesville. Really? Never been played in Gainesville? Why is that? Do you know? So initially, before Florida Field was constructed in 1930, Florida's on-campus home stadium was too small for big games, so they would play bigger cities. But Athens always had a stadium that was big enough. So when it was Georgia-Florida time, Florida would say, okay, we're going to go here. I have They played in uh, Jacksonville three times, Savannah, Georgia twice, Tampa once, you know, and then they played at Athens a a bunch of times, Macon, Georgia. So it's been kind of all over the map, but never Gainesville, which is pretty That is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a rivalry like this. That's crazy that they've never actually played at home. Yeah. And I'd love to hear, we, we should have taken the opportunity to talk to the Florida Georgia fans about this, but I wonder if like the neutral site is hotly contented because I are contested because I know the iron bowl used to be similar to that where it was never played in Auburn, but now it's a home and home series, which I think is just so much better for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into one of the cool things that uh, I want to talk about this rivalry. So We've touched on a few pretty contentious rivalries, but none that are quite like this one. The neutral site aspect of this game is super interesting. And it really is kind of a microcosm of why we started this podcast. Because, okay, we're both LSU fans, but we can both respect how cool this football game is. It's played on a neutral site. The fan split is literally 50-50. If you look at aerial pictures, you have a clear dividing line of where the Georgia fans are sitting and where the Florida fans are sitting. I think that's the coolest thing ever. There's no other sport where that is the case. You have this game that that's the case for, and then you have the Red River rivalry, which is a tongue twister, but they have the same situation between Oklahoma and Texas. But, like, you don't see that in the NFL. You don't see that in college basketball really all that much. You don't see that in in MLB. You don't see it really in any other type of sport than in college football. And and the history about this game is so intense. I mean, you're talking, like, the things that you just listed are so crazy that it's it's mind-boggling how Florida's never even played this game at home. I mean, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it is the year 2020. This game, this year, started in the early 1900s, and they've never played a home game. I'll add to your statement of it never happens where you've got that 50-50 split, and that's such a cool thing. It doesn't even happen like that in playoff games or in uh, no. bowl, bowl games. Like even then, you've got people selling tickets or something like that. This is where there's a clear divide. You guys stay on that side. We're going to stay on this side. We're both going to sell it out. Don't touch me. I won't touch you. Right. Really like, so this type of rivalry, it it is similar to the Iron Bowl. It is similar to Ohio State, Michigan. It is similar to the Red Red River rivalry. Um, It's similar to Bedlam. It's one of those series that is so interesting. It's got such a rich history. And really the only other game that can come close to it that's not a college football game, in my opinion, is Duke and North Carolina in basketball. There are some college football games that can compete with this type of game, but there's no other sport other than that one series where I feel like there's 
as much bad blood and as intense of a rivalry in another sport. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I just think not building on that take at all, but I think it's so nice. You mentioned a bunch of big ones, but Red River rivalry happens early in the season. And this game happens earlier in the season. And I really like that it's spread out like that, where we get some hatred spread through the season that kind of a national audience can pick up on. Right, because most of the other big rivalry games that I listed are happening in in late November. Yeah, during rivalry week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So super interesting game. And like you said, there weren't a whole lot of really good games this week. But the fact that this game is so interesting, we wanted to give it its fair shake and and give it 100% attention because it's such a historic rivalry. I'm really excited to watch this game. At this point, we'll kick it to uh, Scott from Florida. He's been on a couple times. And the guys from UGA Tailgate, Hayes and Parks, a really fun interview. We extended it a little bit. You've got four questions instead of three, so it's 33% longer. I did the math there, but a really fun one. We'll see you guys on the other side. All fan interviews of the Fans Only Meeting podcast are sponsored by Griffith Service Station. For all our listeners in the Mobile, Alabama area, Griffith Service Station is your one-stop shop for all your vehicle needs. Griffith Service Station provides a vast array of mechanic work from oil changes to complete engine rebuild. Their store is stocked with over 100 brands of wine, beer, seltzers, and local IPAs. The only full-service gas station left in Mobile, Griffith Service Station has been family-owned and operated since 1958 and is located on the corner of Government and Ann Street. Give them a visit today. Okay, welcome into the call this week. Uh, We're covering the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which is a mouthful. But we've got from Florida, we've had him on a couple times, Scott Sandlin. And then for the second week in a row from Georgia, the team from uh, UGA Tailgate. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. So so we'll start with you, Scott. Florida, you know, this is obviously just a huge rivalry for both of these teams. Number one rivalry for everyone. We're going to mute the mics for everyone else. I'm going to give you 60 seconds on the clock. Name everything that you dislike about the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs are a bunch of Clayton motherfuckers. Uh, Every single one of them just across the board. They just stand there over the line pretending that their giant goddamn state of bullshit is for some reason better than everyone else, even though I think they've only won two national titles. uh, One in, I think, 1942 or 1943 and 1980. Uh, I mean, shit, Peyton Manning made goddamn Tennessee more relevant in the times that we've been alive since fucking they won their last national title. Georgia is like the they're like the, the perfect just example of like the trust fund kid who like whenever he, he gets to college and like he doesn't understand why everything isn't going his way uh, because maybe high school treated him really well because, you know, he was told that he was going to be this great, successful person his entire life and, and everything was going to go so well. And then he gets to where he thought he was going to be number one and life just hits him in the fucking face. But he doesn't know how to accept that because what he was told his whole life is that he's the best when in actuality, he hasn't done shit since before his fucking dad was born. All right, wow. so the, I think you took a breath at about the right time because that was right at 60 seconds. <laughs> Hayes. Parks, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you about 20 seconds each to 
for a little bit of defense here. So we'll start with Hayes. Hayes, go ahead and defend yourself. Are you a trust fund baby or what's going on with you? I mean, I don't know if I can live up to what he just said because that was pretty brutal. But, um, I mean, I just hate everything about the Gators. I'm sorry, Scott. I, I do. I mean, I hate Dan Mullen. Such a crybaby. The fans just so obnoxious. The jean shorts just really sum it all up. Jean shorts and the topless thing. It's just awful. I hate Florida. I, that's about as nice as I'm going to put it. All right, Parks, you're up. Let's see if you can get 30 seconds in. Yeah, well, first off, he said, name things that you hate about Georgia, and this dude just went off about some random story he just made up. That's a classic <laughs> Florida fan. Don't even know what that means. But, yeah, Florida fans are so obnoxious. They're, they always think they're so good, and they always come up with a 1980 thing, like come up with something original. We beat you all the past three years. Calm down. There's everything to hate about Florida. Georgia on top. All right. That was some good – fiery hatred that we did not get last week from the Bulldog fans. I love it. I love Scott just coming straight at it from the, for the jugular. That was beautiful, guys. I really appreciate the energy that you brought to that. Happy to be here. Just happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Clay touched on it, and we can, we can get into it. I don't need a rebuttal here, but one thing we learned and uncovered last week is that the SEC West, like everybody kind of like beats up on each other, and they've got mean things to say about one another. In the East, it's like everybody's like, oh, no, we're pretty good with Tennessee or UK or whatever, except for Florida. Everybody hates Florida. And it seems like it's like uh, mutual. All of the hatred just gets built up and thrown right at you, Scott. I, yeah. I, <laughs> hey, I'm good I, with I, it. Look, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, that's, that, that's why I get out of bed every morning. Yeah, just live in the hatred. Just stewing it. <laughs> something to live for. It, if, it just gives you something to feel. If you're not feeling something, you ain't living. Um, all right. So now that we kind of got that out of the way, the pleasantries, Scott, we've seen like two different versions of Florida. We've seen the angry, fiery tricking the other team into punching their coaches in the back of the head against Missouri last week. And then before mm -hmm. that nice little two week off season, kind of a weird, confusing, what are we looking at in Kyle Field and College Station? What version of Florida do you think we're going to see this weekend? I have no fucking clue. The, the problem with the Missouri game last weekend is that it gave me hope again. Uh, after the A&M game, I had resigned myself to understand that Todd Grantham is the Antichrist, as I've mentioned uh, on this podcast before, I believe. Yes, and yes. so <clears throat> I had basically just written the season off. You know, I thought this was our year. I thought that if we were going to finally get over the Georgia hump for the first time in a while, this was going to be up. But then A&M happened. And again, then everything that transpired Saturday night happened. The defense actually played good. Granted, it, it was against a, a trash Missouri team. I, I feel that, you know, good teams should beat shitty teams, and that's what we did, and we did it handedly. We walked out of there with, you know, less fines and suspensions, I think, than, than we could have. Or if I was anyone else that's not wearing a shirt that looks like this, I would be upset with. But here we are in the year 2020 of our Lord going into Florida, Georgia. So I'm happy for it. I don't know what we're going to get, man. I know that we're going to get an offense that is going to really test the hell out of that Georgia defense. But that being said, if, if Georgia's quarterback can finally decide to wake up or I don't know. Get out of bed the next morning. I, I still think they're going to give us a lot of trouble. Maybe if they switch to a quarterback on their roster that actually has NFL potential, they might look a little dangerous. So we'll, we'll move that to transition over to Hayes and Parks on the Georgia side. Last week we talked about UK being a little bit of a trap game, and it kind of 
the uh, the aesthetics were that it was a little bit of a trap game. I mean, you guys survived it, but it wasn't pretty. What version of Georgia do you think we get this week against Florida? Kind of along the lines of Scott, what Scott said. I mean, there's no telling, especially with all the injuries. I feel like in the past, especially under Kirby, Georgia has played to the level of their competition. You know, I'm expecting us to come out and play, but you just really never know. I'm, you know, nervous about the quarterback play. Stetson, I mean, he delivered in the early half of the season, but his height is really becoming an issue. Our inability to move the ball is really limiting us. You know, our run defense looked awful against Kentucky. So I'm honestly the most nervous I've been about a game in a while. So there, I, we could come out and play like we did against Auburn or we could show up and play like we did against Kentucky. Yeah, that's always nerve-wracking as a fan when you just don't know. Parks, what do you think? More of the same or you got a different perspective? <clears throat> yeah, it's the same. Like our defense is the one thing that we can usually rely on and – we have so many people who've gotten hurt in the past few weeks. I mean, we're going to get some of them back, but a lot of them will will not be playing. So that makes me nervous. Yeah, our offense is horrible. So really hope we can get it together and maybe try another quarterback. I doubt we will. So I just hope Stetson will play good. I hope we run the ball a lot and we can do that because if we can just – run it down their throats all game, we should be able to win. One thing that's always fun to see when Kirby gets his back up against the wall, for some reason he decides to stop running the football whenever he's averaging like nine yards a carry like he did against LSU two years ago in Baton Rouge, like he did against LSU in the SEC championship game, like he did against Alabama this year while y'all are ramming it down their throat. This Florida team, the offense looks really comparable to Alabama's offense in the games that they've played. Do you guys think y'all can stop them consistently enough? Going into this year, I knew that Florida would have a really good offense. And I didn't – I was hesitant if we'd stop them. I knew we'd have a great defense. But with so many injuries in the way that Kentucky just ran down our throats, now that – you know, not that Florida's reliant on the run game, but that kind of opens up a second option for them. And – you know, covering Kyle Pitts, that's going to be the main issue. I mean, especially without Richard LeCount. Yeah, think, that guy, Kyle Pitts, I hear he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd say so. And a banged up Monty Rice. I mean, it's just – I think we can we, – we definitely we certainly have the potential to stop them. But I, I think we may, you know, give up a few big plays in the second half that may kind of let them pull away. Yeah, I think we just need a win at the line. And we, we have to get to Trask as much as we can to be able to win the game. Yeah, I can I can see that. So I, I guess that kind of leads me into this next question. We'll start with you, Parks. As a non-UGA fan myself, and obviously Scott is definitely not a UGA fan, neither is Chris, what should the non-UGA fan really expect from this game? Do we think it's going to get chippy? What exactly do we think is going to happen? Oh, yeah, I definitely think it'll get a little bit chippy. Like, right off the bat, it will. Um Probably, probably whoever's winning, uh, the the other team will definitely try to start something, in my opinion. And I just hope, I just hope that we're winning at halftime, because, like you said, I don't want Kirby's back to be against the wall and to stop running, because that's that's one of the things that we do really well. Yeah, Hayes, what are your thoughts? What as a non-Georgia fan, what should we look for to see Georgia showing some signs of success? You know, I definitely think I definitely think things will get 
a little bit chippy. But I think, you know, the game plan has to be just cram it down their throats all game. You know, that's where we find most of our success. And we saw it against Kentucky, averaging, what, six yards per carry. I think as a non-Georgia fan, you expect to see a heavy run. And I hope we apply more pressure on Kyle Trask. We saw in the SEC championship game last year that applying less pressure to Joe Burrow, um, you know, kind of hurt us in the end game. So I hope that we can apply more pressure to Kyle Trask. So if it does get chippy, is George Pickens going to try and kill a guy or just permanently paralyze him? What are we thinking there? <laughs> I hope he stays in check, but you never know. <laughs> that was that was as close to a no comment as you could have gotten. <laughs> Scott, I saw you nodding your head up and down during a lot of what Hayes was saying about jamming the ball down the Florida Gators' throat. As a Florida fan, what should the non-Florida fans look to see if they're going to see a successful Florida Gator team this week? Uh, can the Gators stop the run? I mean, they, you know, they, they, the, the Georgia boys nailed it. The Gators, uh, up until, I mean, we, we did okay with Mizzou. We actually did pretty damn well with Mizzou on, on the run defensive side. But up until that, it, it's been terrible. You know what? as the Gators defense as a whole has been terrible. I think that uh, part of me thinks it's going to be a shootout, but, but then I, I, you know, I look at Georgia's quarterback situation and, and I question it, but I mean, if they, and if they can run the ball, that, that'll be it for us. While I think that our offense can score a just noxious amount of points, there's still just so many questions uh, on the defensive side of the ball as far as can we make it for four quarters. And uh, I think that'll be the biggest thing to watch. If, if the Gators can stock, Georgia running the ball, we're going to win the game. And if we can't, it's going to be more of the same. Do y'all have everyone back from the COVID bike in the, in the Florida locker room? So we're recording this on Monday. Everyone out listening out there, which means that it's not Thursday, which is when the Gators decide to try and release uh, who's not playing for some reason. Um, <laughs> so who knows? Uh, I think I, I think we've we've facing or we face the largest uh, brunt of it. But it uh, it will remain to be seen if if we can all make it out there. I, I know that Georgia is is very banged up on from the injury front, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So that's going to help us in in our already very dominant offense. But this is Florida. We can uh, break out as many COVID cases as we fucking feel like it. Apparently, um, at the drop <laughs> of a hat. We're very good at that. The spread like, rate in Florida is very high. Got, like, it's humid down here. Damn it. You know, it's it's easy to cough and for shit to go everywhere. You got 85 <laughs> players and 104 confirmed positive coronavirus cases. Some people are saying that the brawl on Saturday was a super spreader event. Uh, I won't name <laughs> names, but uh, they may or not be me. Listen. <laughs> okay, let's let's wrap it up. Let's finish this this last question. So obviously, uh, historic rivalry. I, I'm going to roll through a couple of facts that I just found on Wikipedia as I do research uh, in the middle of the interview. So that's the level of professionalism we're dealing with here. They're... I appreciate your prep, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to own it. I'm going to live up to it. <laughs> there are allegedly 97 total meetings. And the reason I say 97 is because Florida says there's 97. Georgia says there's 98. Interestingly, uh, the record is 52 to 43 in favor of Georgia, according to Georgia. And 53, according to Florida, this is confusing. And then 53 to 43, according to Georgia. Do you guys know why there's like a discrepancy in how many games has been played? 
they think that that year didn't count because they weren't like official, an official university or official football team. I, I could, I could be wrong with. Okay, so ninety-seven meetings in one intramural meeting. Got that. The largest victory was by Georgia in 1942, 75 to 0. That's rough. Longest win win streak is for both. Sorry, our boys didn't draft dodge. Shit. (laughs) We were fighting the war. You're welcome for uh, their service. Okay, uh, enough history. That kind of went on too long. But um, all right, Scott, we'll start with you. A long storied rivalry. You've obviously, you've got a least favorite memory and a favorite memory. Why don't you tell us your least favorite memory and then finish with your favorite. Uh, 2007, Nershawn Marino, first score of the game, running into the touchdown and Mark Rick and the only good idea he's ever had, having the whole team uh, run out into the the end zone to to celebrate with him. I think Nershawn had like 190, 198 yards, um, you know, a couple touchdowns, maybe more than that. Georgia, they they put it to us that year. You know that we were coming off, we were coming off the national championship. Things were high. Uh, morale was high, thinking that that Tebow was going to come in and and pick up exactly where Chris Lee left off, and and that did not happen in the Georgia game. And then uh, my best memory is the following year in 2008. When uh, on the first play, I think the first play uh, of, of Georgia's possession, Noshan Marino met God in the sense that Brandon Spikes skull fucked him into the earth and then just stood over him barking like a dog. Uh, and then that was the game, actually, at that very moment. That is my favorite. Not only is that my favorite memory of the Florida Georgia thing, whenever I think about the happiest that I've ever been outside of, I guess, a national championship for the Florida Gators. It's that exact moment. That is the happiest that I've ever been. I, I tear, I'm, tears are forming in my eyes. Like it just, oh God, it just gets me so fired up. I love that. I love that. Uh, Brandon Spikes just skull fucking Nosha Marina right into the ground. That's awesome. I mean, so it, <laughs> like if, if it wasn't for Jadavion Clowney ending that Michigan running back's life, we would yep. see a lot more of that clip. Yep. Uh, Brandon Spikes. All right, let's. But the whole he killed the guy thing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. You kind of got a lot of that on the Florida football team. Go figure. Um, <laughs> all right. It's, 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 a, it's a program full of serial killers, man. <laughs> it's a physical football team. Okay, lay off them. All right, Hayes and Parks. Let's go least favorite and then favorite memory from this rivalry because it's a good one. Least favorite memory would probably be the 2014 game. We're riding in with expectations to blow a weak Florida team out of the water and win the SEC East. I don't know what their record was, but I remember they were they were not good. And I remember just being stunned, them just cramming it down our throats. Uh, I think Ty Gurley was out that game. And they just – I remember, I think it was Jordan Scarlett just cramming it right down our throats, just beating us like 38-14. to 14. That was awful. Favorite memory? I'd have to say it's a two-way tie between the 2012 game and the 2017 game. Um, 2012, I'll be real brief about it, but um, Jarvis Jones forcing the fumble on Jordan Reed to win the SEC East. Florida was like number two. And that game went down to the wire, just a defensive slugfest. When he forced that fumble, that that was, you know, I, I, I get chills thinking about that. And then 2017, you know, we saw a little bit of uh, this last night. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson talking trash about talking trash about uh, Jake Fromm 
in us just absolutely creaming Florida. You know, since I'm younger, that was the first time I ever saw Georgia really beat Florida into the ground, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> Chelsea Gardner-Johnson is a pretty good shit, sir. This is just going to throw that out there unsolicitedly. Like, the dude takes up real estate and wide receiver's head like it's his job. It's who, incredible to watch. Who steals a mouth guard? Like, where did he even learn that move? It's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whoever taught it to him is a fucking genius. <laughs> Got it going. All right, Parks, close this out. I think my least favorite would be, I remember on Halloween, we were all watching it, and Georgia was getting absolutely smacked. Like, the final score was, like, 27 to, to like, three or something, and the best play that Georgia had was us blocking an extra point. Like, that was all that we had to cheer for. And it was on Halloween, and it was like, it sucked. My favorite, well, two, I guess, because my favorite game was I went to the 2018 meeting in Jacksonville, and it was awesome, like, being around the Georgia fans and just, like, hating on Florida. And then we walked in there, and we and, and we, we won pretty big that game, so that was really fun. And then also, like Hayes said, uh, Jarvis Jones – forcing the fumble in 2012 that was that was really exciting to watch yeah I can imagine having a huge play like that in a rivalry game to decide the play to decide the game that that must have been just absolutely incredible to watch well everyone on this podcast has been on here before so you know how we like to end things and I think that we're about to have a lot of fun here because we're going to make all three of y'all say something nice about the opposing side so, Hayes, say something nice about the Florida Gators. I'm not going to let you leave until you do it. You know, I really don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you hate them, but you love them. Like, you're glad that they're around so you can beat up on them every year. But the nicest thing I can say is I like their uniforms. I'll give them that. Uniforms are pretty clean. All right. All right. Parts, so- say something nice. No comment. Um, I like it. <laughs> you might not be my least favorite team. You might be tied for my least favorite. So you're not the least favorite. Is it Auburn? Auburn and Alabama and Florida. Three-way tie. Three uh, you just got a. Yeah. You just got a whole. Just a. You just hate everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except for Kentucky. Who gives a shit about Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Your time. Let's wrap it up. The floor is yours. Say something nice about the Georgia Bulldogs. I've heard Athens is fine. I heard it's a nice place or whatever, like a great college town. <laughs> You're the necessary evil in my life that keeps me going. Uh, without you, I wouldn't know what hate feels like, which conversely, I wouldn't know what love is if I didn't know what hate was. So thank you, assholes. I think, that, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Thanks. As, as 50 Cent once said, joy wouldn't be good if it wasn't for pain. So, wow, what a call. What a, what a little line there. I love that. Well, I just keep that one handy. Uh, people who know me in real life tell me that I say that way too much. So it's like a weekly occurrence. But hey, it's worth it. Eh, yeah, why not? When it, fits, when it fits the moment, why not? Yeah. If the shoe fits, wears. All right. Thanks, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time. And uh should be a fun one on Saturday. Yeah, guys, thanks, thanks so much. Go dogs yeah, and go gators. All right, guys, welcome back to the studio. Chris, 
What do you think's happening this week? Okay, I okay. So we talked about UK Georgia being immovable object versus unstoppable force. Um, I think this isn't like that at all. I think we've got strength on strength. I think we've got a Florida team that's got a really strong offense coming up against a Georgia team that's got a really strong defense, and we've got a less strong Georgia offense going up against a, at times, porous Florida defense. So I think we're going to get a surprisingly, like, medium scoring game, which is weird. I I think we're going to be in the 20s or the low 30s. I think it's going to be close. I think the time. I think the time of possession is not going to match the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, but I think the scores are going to be close. I don't want to give a score prediction, but the, uh, uh, it's going to be close. It's going to be 20s or 30s. Time of possession will not match. Okay, so I'm going to throw out all the cliches about this game. You can throw out the records. You can throw out the stat book. Um, you got two quarterbacks who are, uh, you know, coaches on the field. Um, and I think that, you know, but, but in all seriousness, I think that Florida is just going to be able to move the ball. I mean, one thing that we haven't really touched on at this point in time, Georgia's got a lot of, they have a really strong defense, but they have a lot of personnel that got hurt against, um, Kentucky last week. And then Richard LeCount got in a car accident, leaving that game. And I, last I saw, I don't think that he's playing. Yeah. So who's going to cover Kyle Pitts? I mean, the dude's, a, the dude's an animal. I mean, if you have LeCount, you can cover Kyle Pitts with LeCount. But if you don't have LeCount, who, who, who do you put on Pitts? No, I mean, I, I do think that it, I do think there's going to not be a blowout. But I do think that Florida's going to move the ball very, very well, like they have against everyone. And really, the question is going to be, can Georgia move the ball against Florida? I mean, Florida's shown weakness there, but can Georgia consistently move the ball? Last week against Kentucky, a team that is not – a very strong football team, they really struggled to do it. So what what do we see out of this Georgia offense? That's really where I think the game's going to be won and lost is what hap- how does Florida stop Georgia and is Georgia able to move the football? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I promise I was listening as best I could while I was doing this, but I pulled up top 20 football cliches. So okay. do you, do you want to see if how many of these I can just string together? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so here we go. Uh, so Stetson Bennett, he's just a total throwback, old school football player, game manager, hands the ball off to his running back. Uh, and he, he has all day to throw it back there, but he can't throw it over the offensive lineman. Um, but he does, you know, t- Georgia typically, they, they've always got a downhill runner, someone who could just pound the rock. Um, yeah. Now yeah. Florida's defense, they're porous, but they kind of bend. They don't break. They get into the red yeah, zone. Yeah. They give a field goal. <laughs> so that's something to look at. Richard LeCount being out. I mean, Kyle Pitts, he's got a quick first step. He's got a quick all step. So <laughs> I don't know. we'll see how it's going to go. But I think the Georgia defense might pin their ear back and uh, get to Trask on that one. Um, but it's going to be important to see which team's able to take care of the football better. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some throws that Kyle Trask makes that uh, he gets to the sideline. He's going to want to have those back. Uh, but we're really going to have to see which team gives 110%, plays the full 60 minutes, uh, has a high motor that won't quit. Um, but, you know, that's why they play the game. That is. That's why they play the football game. That was – was very impressive. Those were those were some good ties, you know, good tie tie-ins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> That's all I got to say.
All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe uh, on our uh, podcast network. You can get on Spotify, Anchor, um, any podcast network except for Apple. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, and if you like it, tell your friends. Tell us. Let us know what we're doing good, what we're uh, what we can improve on. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys.